0: But let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Lord God in heaven, another day has begun, God. Your word says this is the day that the Lord has made. We can rejoice and be glad in it, God. We can rejoice and be glad, Lord, not because everything goes well in this life, not because all of our circumstances are good, God, but we can rejoice and be glad because you are good and you are faithful and you are with us, God. Again, so often it's, it's easy for us to just get distracted by the things of this world and the cares of this life, and the cares of this life can, can choke out your word even from our lives, from our minds, Lord. So we pray this morning that even as we gather, and for those that will listen uh, over the internet, Lord, we pray that we can all grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you and in our understanding of you. That your word will work in our heart and and do a work within us that only your word can do, God. Your word is a living and active word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our heart. So we give our hearts to your word this morning, Lord. And we thank you for your presence amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we'll go ahead and open up again at Romans chapter 9. Now the last time we were together, we looked at Romans chapter nine, and we actually finished up the whole chapter, went through it. But I'd like for us to go back, as we often do, and and read some of the previous chapter. We're going to actually study chapter ten today, but we'll go back and we'll we'll read um, some of chapter nine, and uh, then we'll go right on into chapter ten. So in Romans chapter nine, I'm going to look down and start reading. Um, in verse 17, just so we can kind of stay within the context here. I'm going to read a lot, but like I said, we'll go right on in chapter 10. But it says in verse 17 of Romans chapter 9, For the scriptures say to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore, he has mercy on whom he wills, and on whom he wills he hardens. You will say to me then, Why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me thus? Does not the potter have power over the clay from the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? What if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he had prepared beforehand for glory? Even us, whom he called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. As he says also in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people, and her beloved, who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There, shall, there they shall be called sons of the living God. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel will be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved, which means a small amount, right? For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, Unless the Lord of the Sabbath had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom, and we would have been like made like Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were by the works of the law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense. And whoever believes on him will not be put to shame verse 1 brethren my heart's desire and prayer to god for israel is that they may be saved so again like we talked about in depth the last time when we looked at chapter 9 paul had a deep love for his brethren as he called them his fellow jews um The Jews have to come to salvation in the same way that Gentiles do, and that is what Paul is pointing out, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other name, there is no other way of salvation. The gospel, of course, we know when we study the New Testament, we see that the gospel went to the Jew first, and then it went to the Gentiles. The Jews were not excluded from a need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were, of course, the predestined ones in the sense that God chose them to be the people to to work His plan through, right? To bring the Messiah through that people. The majority of the Jews, not all, of course, but the majority of them turned their back on God's chosen Messiah Jesus Christ. They stumbled at the stumbling stone, as Paul said, right? They did not receive Jesus as their Messiah. But of course, we know that a predestined group, a remnant, that is, of the Jews did receive him as their Messiah. Paul did all that he could, though, to bring the gospel to them, because, like I said, to him, he considered them his brethren, his fellow Jews. And he knew that they had a real zeal for God. They had a desire for God. Verse 2 here says, For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. Now, there are many people today whom we would call devout. They're devout about their religion, whatever their religion may be. They have a zeal for God, but they don't have a knowledge of how to become righteousness, that it's through faith, that it's not about religion, that it's not about a law or the works of your religion or what church you belong to or whatever. So many churches out there, so many religions out there claim to be the church, the one and only, the true church, right? But that's because they do not have a knowledge of the scripture. But the Jews had not submitted to the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Again, not all of them. There was the remnant that was saved that did receive Jesus Christ. But again, this problem does not Pertain only to the Jews, we know today that many Gentile people try to establish their own righteousness rather than just submitting to the righteousness of God that is in Jesus Christ. Many people today will name the name of Jesus, and many people today will have the name of Jesus in, in their the name of their religion, for example. But they also add so many things to their belief system that you do not find in the Word of God. Many churches have made it Jesus plus this or Jesus plus that. Or again, it has to be about their religion. In Colossians, I won't have you turn there, but I'll read to you from Colossians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. It says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men. Now think about the religions and their traditions and the things that they do, right? And Paul's warning the 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 believers in the city of Colossae here in Colossians chapter two to beware that the that they don't allow philosophy and empty deceit and traditions of men that are according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ, he says. He says, speaking of Christ, he says, for in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now listen to this. Paul goes on to say there in Colossians chapter 2, and you are complete in Him. Speaking of Jesus, we are complete in Him and He is the head of all principality and power. So again, it becomes all about Jesus. And that's what the scriptures teach. It's not about the works of the law. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. It's about knowing Jesus Christ, right? And being complete in in Him, right? So it's Jesus plus absolutely nothing. All that you need to do is to follow the commandments of Jesus, not the traditions of men right? And where do we find all the commandments of Jesus? Where do we find all that we need to know about Jesus? It's in the pages of our Bibles, the scriptures, right? Because the righteousness of God, again, is all summed up in Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So when a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, that's they're complete at that point, right? There's no earning your salvation any other way, right? We should do good works. Don't get me wrong. We should do good works because faith without works is dead. But it's not works that is going to get a person saved. No one is righteous enough to work their way to salvation, okay? Let's take a moment and turn back just a couple pages in your bible or your cell phone apps there to Romans chapter 8 right and we're going to look at verses 3 and 4 in Romans chapter 8 we would have studied that fairly recently <clears throat> Romans chapter 8 verse 3 it says for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh so in other words it was it was our inability to keep the law that made the law not beneficial to us because we fail in our flesh, right? But what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be filled in us, "...who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." So you see, the righteousness of the law is fulfilled through the Spirit. As we walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So in other words, when we're Spirit-led people, we're going to be led by the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ who indwells us. And He's going to lead us in the paths of righteousness." The Spirit of God won't lead us to sin. The Spirit of God won't lead us to the traditions of men and things like that and philosophy and all that. The Spirit of God will lead us to righteousness, right? And I've talked a lot about this in the past, but that's what we as believers in Jesus Christ should be known for, walking according to the Spirit, when we think about the Spirit, we have to say, well then, what is the fruit of the Spirit? What gets produced from the Spirit? Well, we know there's love and peace and joy and self-control and faithfulness and gentleness and goodness, right? All of the fruits of the Spirit that, that are within us because of the Spirit. So when we walk in those things, we're fulfilling the law. The law is being fulfilled, right? Right? Let's look at another scripture. I want I want you to go ahead and turn this time to Colossians chapter 2. I didn't have you turn there early, but I'm earlier, but I'm going to go ahead and read from Colossians chapter 2 again. It's a couple books to the right. Colossians chapter 2. <clears throat> And uh, I want to start reading in verse 13. So Colossians 2, 13. It says, And you being dead in your trespasses, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the, cor- the cross. So again, we see that the law was fulfilled, or is fulfilled, right? Not when, we don't, not when we trust in ourselves, but rather when we look to the finished work of Jesus Christ, right? And what he has done. And we then die to ourselves. We take up the cross. That is, we repent of our sin. We die to ourselves. We become people that are led by His Spirit. Right now, back in Romans uh, chapter ten again, verse five continues. So back in I'm um, back in Romans chapter ten, verse five. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. So you see, that's the thing with the law. If you want to put yourself under the law and you want to live by the law, in other words, you want to become righteous by keeping the law, right? Keeping certain religious things, right? Then you must live perfectly by that law. You must keep every jot and every tittle. You can't mess up in any way at all. If getting saved from our sin depends on us keeping the law, right? Well, we're all going to fall short. We're going to fall miserably short of that, right? But thanks be to God, we can know and understand that we are to put our trust in and rely on Jesus Christ. That's the knowledge that we find in the scriptures, that it's all about Jesus we're complete in Him, and we need to walk in Him and walk in obedience to Him. Paul said that he preached Christ and Him crucified. Paul kept it that simple. He went around preaching Christ and Christ crucified, you know. Um, verse 6 continues here and says, But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Okay, so he's talking about the law. Here's the righteousness of the law. You're trying to do it, but you got to do it perfectly, and none of us do it perfectly, because Paul said earlier, all have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is, bring Christ down from above. So Paul's saying, here here he's describing that it's not going to be about works. You can't go get the Savior out of heaven, you, you, can't, you can't do that. Or who will descend into the abyss? This That is to bring up Christ from the dead. When Christ died, did anyone on the earth have the power to go and pull him out of the grave and make him alive again? No, no one could do that. There was no work of the flesh that could make that happen. It was God that could make it happen, right? So what does the righteousness of faith say? Well, verse eight, but what does it say? It says this, the word is near you in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Now I want to pause right there. So again, when it comes to getting saved, a person doesn't have to go into the world of the dead to find Christ, nor do they have to ascend to heaven, nor are there any works they can do It's very simple to come to Christ. Christ is very near to all, and all can come to Him by faith simply by repenting and calling out to Him. It says in verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Okay, so there's a lot in those scriptures, there's a lot that we could meditate on and spend a lot of time talking about. But it says that I want to read verse 9 again that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, so in other words, you express that you have faith in Jesus, you express that fact, people know it, and you believe it in your heart, it is rooted. And grounded in you, that Christ has raised him from the dead. You know that Jesus is alive. Okay, you will be saved. That's the saved person, right? Um, Let's turn to the Gospel of Mark for a moment. Gospel, the Gospel of Mark, um, chapter ten. Matthew, Mark, Luke right? Then John, right? In the beginning of the New Testament, you'll find Mark. Matthew, then Mark. Um, Mark chapter 10. Verse 13. It says, speaking of Jesus, then they brought little children to him, that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked those who brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Now, Jesus, of course, here doesn't mean that you get saved when you are a child. That's not what he's saying, that you have to get saved when you're a child, right? But when you think about a child, you realize that they are totally dependent upon others, right? If they have a problem, right, all they want is their parent or their guardian. They run to their parent crying out for help, right? If they're hurting, um, they don't stop at all to think whether they should run to mom or run to dad, right? They trust their provider, and they run to them. And when a person has come to a place where they finally realize that they need salvation, our merciful God is is there with arms wide open, right? So Jesus tells us here that a person can come to the kingdom of God in this manner completely trusting that He will receive them. Come as a child with that childlike heart, that faith of running saying, I need my Father. I need my God. I need Him in my life. Okay? We need to be fully reliant upon God, right? Trusting in God for everything that we have and everything that we need, right? And turning back now to Romans chapter 10, We see that righteousness, again, is not complete by the works of the law, but by the simplicity of faith in Jesus Christ. One believes in their heart, and they proclaim it with their mouth. That's what Paul is pointing out here in this writing. The simplicity of coming to, to, to Christ by faith and being saved. He did this same thing in his letter to the Ephesians as well, where he also uh, was speaking to the Jews and calling them the elect and telling them that it's by grace that we have been saved through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast, right? And of course, this applies not only to the Jews, but to the Gentiles that Paul was writing to as well. Verse 11 here back in Romans chapter 10 continues, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So verses 11 through 13 there, Paul is going to great lengths to let these Jews know, and all of us know, that salvation is not just offered to the Jews, even though they were the elect, but it's opened to all, right? Verse 11 says, whoever believes. Verse 12 says, all who call upon him. And verse 13 says, whoever believes calls, right? So salvation is not just for the predestined Jews, nor is it just for a select group of people today, nor can any one church claim today that if you're not part of their church, you're not the saved people, right? But rather, salvation is open to anyone who chooses to repent and come to Christ by faith. So any doctrine that teaches that Salvation is limited to only a certain group of people is a doctrine of demons. It's not a doctrine of the scriptures, okay? So now, here's a question, right? How can all the people of the world today know what Paul is preaching here? How can everyone know this? Well, verse 14 goes on and says, How then shall they call on him? in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Right, so there's the answer. How can all the world know? Well, the gospel needs to be preached, right? It needs to be preached. And verse 15 says, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? So if you're not a preacher, then you can be someone that helps the preacher who does what he does, right? Verse, uh, the verse continues there, verse 15, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You see, it's the gospel of peace because God was making peace with mankind. There was enmity between God and man. There was separation because of sin. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And Jesus came to bring peace between God and man. And and that's what Jesus did. And that's what His work on the cross did. And that is, like it says there, glad tidings of good things. And Paul's saying, people need to hear this. So the one who preaches this, the people that preach this gospel, have beautiful feet, right? So... And it's they're called beautiful feet because they're preaching a message of Jesus Christ that everyone needs to hear. And that's why, you know, come around Christmas time, we see all the Christmas cards and, you know, for unto us a child is born, right? With all the scriptures and all that. And he's the Prince of Peace. He's the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords, right? And all that he has done, it needs to be proclaimed all year long, every day. Right? And really, quite frankly, Christmas has become, for many people, it's a, it's a time of great depression. It's a time of great sadness. Because they don't have the money to make Christmas what Christmas is about in our world today. But if they really knew what Christmas was about, you know, it's the Charlie Brown thing. Doesn't anybody know what Christmas <laughs> is all about? You know, um, so there's no other way. People need to hear it. People need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it needs to be taken to all the world. And that's why I do what I do throughout the whole year, just teach the Bible verse by verse, pointing people to Jesus, pointing people to the peace of God that they can have with Jesus Christ. Verse 16, though, goes on to say, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, Who has believed our report? So again, the gospel went first to this group of predestined Jews, this remnant, this elect, right? And some believed, but not all believed. And the gospel today continues to go forth to both Jews and Gentiles. And guess what? Same thing happens today. Some believe and some don't believe, right? But as disciples of Jesus, we must continue to proclaim the truth of his word. Verse 17, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that's the fact of the matter right there. People need to hear the word of God in order to have faith in it. How can they hear it unless someone preaches it? How can someone preach it? unless they are sent. In other words, unless they're provided for, the ability to do it, right? So we've looked at this scripture in weeks past, but I want you to go ahead and mark this page and turn now to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, toward the back of your Bible, you'll find Hebrews, James, and then 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter one, and we're going to start reading down in verse 18. It says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, right? So this is speaking of like, and we could apply it today to religion that gets passed down in a family. Right. Someone grew up in this church and the next one's born into that church and they proclaim, well, I am this or I am that. Right. And they stay within that. And, you know, maybe there's fine buildings and there's silver and there's gold and fine woodwork and and carvings and, you know, statues and all kinds of stuff within this religion. Right. But he says, knowing that you were not redeemed by these corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through Him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So again, It's the preaching of the word that's absolutely necessary. It's the hearing of the word that's absolutely necessary for people to be saved. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? It's through the word of God that a person is born again. So the preaching of the word is of the utmost importance, The Word of God is where people will come to know who Jesus is and what He has done for them. Now, I'm going to come back here again to uh, 1 Peter, but I want to flip back quickly to Romans chapter 10 and um, read again where it says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But just because someone hears... That doesn't make them saved, because verse 16 indicates to us that one has to obey the gospel. So the question really uh, isn't if someone has heard the gospel or not, right? The question is, is, have they believed it, to where they obey it? They make it part of their lives. They live it, right? Because in verse 18, it goes on to say, but I say... Have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the end of the world. I believe that especially in our day and age with the internet and everything that we have, the gospel has been preached throughout pretty much the whole world. And even in the remote jungles, there's been missionaries that have gone there to do it. So they're hearing the gospel. The gospel is being heard. So it's not a matter of if it's being heard, it's is it being received in their heart, right? And are they obeying it? So again, Paul speaking to these Jews in this letter here, and he's reminding them that the prophets of old even sent forth their words saying that the Messiah would come. You can go back and read in the Old Testament of the the, the proclamation that the Messiah would come and that the Messiah would die for their sin and for the sin of the world, but all of Israel did not obey the gospel, right? But let's talk about those words, obey the gospel for a few moments here. Again, in 1 Peter, I wanna go back there again, but I wanna look at chapter four this time. 1 Peter chapter four. And I want to start reading in verse 17. So 1 Peter four seventeen, It says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? So there we see those words, Obey the gospel of God. Okay? Now, Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. It's back to the left, um, just past Timothy. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. And I'm going to start reading in verse 6. So 2 Thessalonians 1, 6. Since it says... It is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, He's speaking of that time still yet to come, right? When Jesus is going to come back and we read about it in Revelation, right? And there's going to be vengeance taken on who? Those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse nine, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. When He comes in that day to be glorified in His saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. So two different things we see there. Those that will have everlasting destruction and those that will admire right? Those that believe will admire Him. We're looking forward to that day when we see Him, but we are to be of those that obey the gospel and obey the commandments of the Lord, okay? So again, Paul is addressing this back, and if you didn't hear the last teaching on chapter 9, I really encourage you to go back and listen to it, right? But he's saying, Israel Heard the gospel, right? He's saying, if you remember, we talked about the last time we gathered in chapter nine, he says, so what? Didn't the word of God have any effect on these people? Is the word of God weak? In other words, that these people aren't receiving it? No, it's not the word of God that's weak, right? They, they, They heard the gospel, but they didn't believe the gospel. They didn't mix it with faith. They didn't step out by faith and start walking in that way. So again, uh, today, beautiful feet are still preaching the gospel, but the answer is not found in people just hearing it, but the answer is found in people choosing to obey it. The word gospel, of course, we know just means good news, right? Glad tidings. Today, many people have heard the good news that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, that on the third day he rose again. And again, it's of the, you know, utmost importance that one hears that message, but there's nothing we can do to force a person to obey it, to receive it within their heart. And the one that obeys, you know, is the one that appropriates it in their lives and begins to live differently. They profess it, they confess it with their mouths and they believe it in their hearts and you see it, right? To me, the best verses for understanding the the act of obeying the gospel are found in Galatians chapter 2. And I'm going to have you go ahead now and turn there. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. Right after Second Corinthians and right before Ephesians. Galatians chapter two, and I'm gonna start reading down in verse nineteen. Again, I want to talk to you about the the best way to understand obeying the gospel, right? And and what the how do we appropriate that in our lives? What does that mean to us? He says in verse nineteen of Galatians chapter two, for though for I through the law died to the law that I might live to God. So now remember we've been studying in Romans that the law because of the weakness of of the flesh, because of the weakness of our flesh the law can't save us. And the law was put in place by God in order for us to see that we needed a savior because we couldn't become righteous on our own. So, Paul here points out that through the law, he died to the law so that he might live to God. Then in verse 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. So there's the act of obedience to the gospel. You die to living by the flesh, right? It's no longer you who live. It's not about your desires anymore. It's not about getting what you want, when you want, how you want. You die to yourself. You take up the cross. You follow after Jesus. You humble yourself, right? And now instead, you're all about Christ in you. You're all about the Spirit of the Lord in you and how He wants you to live and being led by the Spirit. And this is something that we do by faith and faith without works is dead. And it's something that doesn't come easy to our flesh. It's our flesh wants to wake up every day and rule the day. Our flesh wants to go in the way it wants to go, wants to do what it wants to do, wants to have what it wants to have, right? And go after all that. That is the way of our flesh but we're to die to that, right? And we're to be led by the Spirit. And then we then just walk by faith in Jesus Christ and everything that we do. So hearing the gospel is wonderful. So therefore, the preaching of the gospel is beautiful. But obedience to the gospel is salvation. That's what salvation is. It's being obedient to the gospel. And as we turn back now to Romans chapter 10, verse 19 continues on. But I say, did Israel not know? For Moses says, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger by a foolish nation. But Isaiah is very bold and says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I was made manifest to those who did not ask for me. So Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32, that's what Paul's quoting here, Deuteronomy chapter 32, he told Israel that God would use other nations to provoke them to jealousy. And Isaiah in chapter 65 of Isaiah told Israel that God would be found by those who did not seek him. And of course we have seen, and we are the beneficiaries of that prediction or that prophecy, right? Of the gospel going forth to the Gentiles. Again, initially, the Jews, the Israelites, God's chosen people. They're the ones who he did all his works through and all his works for on behalf of the mighty works of all of them. But then, The gospel went to all the world, went to everyone else. Verse 21 then says, But to Israel, he says, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. So Paul in this letter is continuing in his desire to reach out to Israel, the predestined ones, the chosen people, the ones that God chose to bring the Messiah through. And his desire, as verse 1 says, was that they would be saved. He desired that they would come to obey the gospel and to see that they are complete in Jesus Christ. So today, beautiful neat, beautiful feet still need to preach the gospel through the word of God. Just as Paul took the Jews back to the word of God in this letter, the hope is that people will hear and obey the gospel and be saved because God is not willing that any should perish. And today Jesus is long-suffering when it comes to his return. Why has he not returned? He's long-suffering. He's waiting for people to get saved. He's allowing the gospel to preach. Again, we live in an age when whosoever will can come to faith in Jesus Christ. And the answer's still the same. The answer will never change. Jesus Christ, the same today, yesterday, and forever. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we all need to seek Him. And we all need to die to ourselves and live obediently to Him and place our faith in Him and trust Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather. It's just a short period of time that we can come together and gather around your word. But your word we have with us always. God, we have Bibles, but we have your spirit who indwells us. And it is your spirit who brings us into remembrance of all things that you said and did. So, Lord, you have not left us as orphans. You have not left us comfortless and alone. You have given us your spirit. So we thank you, God, for this time together, for this gathering. We pray your blessing upon our day, your will to be done in our hearts and mind as always. In Jesus' name, amen.